Hello and welcome to United's podcast and sermon archives. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at fergusunited.org or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and we hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. All right. If you have your Bibles, you can make your way to the book of Luke. Chapter number 13. Last fall, we bought four, four, right? The trees? We bought four maple trees because we've got all these oak trees and they just, they're, they're cool, but they don't have any color. So we bought these little tiny maple trees and put them in the ground and that night we had, you know, hurricane force winds like we always do in Fergus Falls. And it just took one of those maple trees and snapped it right in half, right away. That was a lot of money down the drain. But we got three other ones that, that never broke. We had stakes and we had string and we had them all tied up. We, we have them all tied up. We haven't untied them yet. And this spring I was so excited to see those maple trees start to bloom. Yeah, that's what I would have said, except they, they didn't. <laughs> they, they didn't bloom. And so I've, I'm watching, and you know, the, the bushes start getting green leaves, and maple trees are just twigs. A couple little brown dead things that are still on there from last year. and Okay, well, we'll see what happens. And so a little more time goes by, and, and the pine trees start to get the little buds on them. And, oh, good, the trees are starting to bud, and the maple trees are... They're still brown, little brown leaves from last year. And, oh, wow, okay. And the oak trees hadn't, they hadn't started to bud yet. So I thought, well, maybe maple trees are like oak trees. And then the oak trees started to bud and turn green. And I'm looking around, standing in the yard, and the grass is green, and all the trees are green, and the oak trees are green, and the maple trees are brown. <laughs> brown, and, and the ground is dusty and just dirty around I mean there's no it looks like there's no life and spent a considerable amount of money buying these oak trees so I could not bring myself to pluck them out of the ground so I look like a fool out there every day with a water hose watering the only dead trees in the yard got life all around me and I'm pouring water to these dead dry trees and I'm so happy to report and now we can praise God I'm so happy to report that this last week I found some green leaves on one maple tree. And I'm still praying for the other two. So, you know, put us on your list and intercede. But the, the fact of the matter is I don't have, I, neither one of us really have a green thumb. Um, if you have a plant that you don't like, just drop it off. We'll kill it for you. That's, that's what we do. And so it was such a relief to finally see a little bit of life in this plant that I was, I was convinced. It, they were all dead. We were just going to have to tear them out of the ground and throw them away. And uh, hopefully the other two come around and see the light as well. I'm going to read a passage from Luke 13, uh, verses 6 through 9. It says, He spake also this parable. So Jesus is speaking. He's going to tell a parable. <clears throat> a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, And he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree. 
and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? He felt like, like I have. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. I want to preach to us today on this Sunday afternoon. It's not over. It's not over. This was a passage that we had in our Wednesday night Bible study. We've been breaking up into groups and we we take the parables of Jesus and we have groups of two to three adults with children. We're teaching them how to study God's Word and we're digging into the parables one by one. And this is a parable that um, my wife and I with a few of the kids had this past Wednesday, and what we do is we just kind of read through the parable. We might check a few different translations. Um, any words that are confusing, we'll, we'll look back on them and try to look them up. And we, we study it out and we bring our findings. We all come back together as a group and we present what we found, what the parable was about, and how it relates to our life. And so it, it's really been a blessing. And on Wednesday night... <clears throat> I went through this parable, and this is a parable that I'm familiar with and I've taught through before. And so I presented and taught what I always had. There's a certain man, that man being God. So we're, we're making application here. God, who planted a fig tree. So who do you think the fig tree is? Us. We're the fig tree. And God comes to this fig tree and he observes this fig tree time and time again. I'm probably going to trip on that today. And what he's looking for, fruit, right? If you plant a fig tree, you want figs. If you plant a maple tree, you want maple leaves. And he wants this, this fruit, these figs. And so he comes the first year, and there's nothing. And then he comes back the second year, expecting, well, now the tree's got a little bit more maturity. Its roots have gone a little bit deeper. Surely, I'm going to get to sink my teeth into a fig today, and yet there's, again, no figs. And then he comes the third year, and there's, there's still no figs. And we talked about what, what does that mean? Why is that there? And there's, there's three years where God fully expected something out of us. This man fully expected something out of this tree, and that shows us a depiction, a picture of God's grace in our life. Because there are times that he really expects to see us at a level of maturity. He wants to see us producing a certain type of fruit. And yet, if we're honest, he comes and evaluates us from time to time and it's not there yet. And he extends grace. He allows us time to grow. But we also found that in this parable, he reached a point where he was no longer willing to wait. And he says to the person in charge, he said, pluck it up or cut it down. Why is it even taking up space in the earth? It's not doing what I wanted it to do. And this person, uh, the dresser, the gardener, if you will, says back to the Lord, just, just give it one more year. He appeals to the mercy of God. And so we see a great example here of God's mercy in this parable. That even when he reached a point where judgment was, was called out and called for, his mercy said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend a little bit more time. I'm going to extend a little bit more grace. And then we see <clears throat> the dresser who's, who is the one that spoke up and interceded for this thing who began to put dung around it, which I think everybody here knows what dung is. 
and it stinks. And so I've related that in times past to circumstances that aren't always positive, but God will use them and bring them about to help us produce the fruit He's trying to get. So if, if He's trying to work patience in our life, what, what do people say about patience? <clears throat> Don't pray for patience. Well, that's bad advice because patience is a virtue. Patience is something God wants you to have. However, if the Lord is trying to produce patience in our life and He's not finding it, He's probably going to send about situations that require us to exercise patience. Make sense? And so I, I went through this and everything I've just presented to you, everything I presented on Wednesday night is, is biblically accurate. It's there. And yet leaving Bible study on Wednesday, there was just I, I just kind of had a nagging feeling that I was missing something. And so it kind of concerned me. I went back through, I, I read through the scriptures. I wanted to make sure I didn't present anything that wasn't, you know, biblically true. The last thing I want to do is distort God's word and <clears throat> I went through it, and, and it all lines up. It's all Bible. But there's also another perspective. It's a new perspective, for me at least, on this, this passage, this parable. And that's really what I want to present to us today. Because when we look at it before, we're the fig tree. It's kind of going back to the hero series that we went through. A lot of times when we read a passage of Scripture, we make ourselves the primary object of the passage. We're all people. We, we deal with, um, I think, narcissism is the right word. We, we want to be, we wanna be that, that center point. What is the Scripture talking about? must be talking about me. But maybe we're not the fig tree. And maybe God's not the certain man. So I'm going to flip it around a little bit, and I'm going to present it to you differently today. And, and that is, what if the certain man is us? What if it's you? You're the one. You own the vineyard. The vineyard is our life. The life you live. Your day-to-day -day routine, your heart, your mind, the way you think, the way you feel, the attitudes that you have. The fig tree is the godly aspirations and desires that the Lord has given you. Things that you want to accomplish for God. Things that you feel like the Lord has spoken to you in prayer or given to you in seasons where you sought after Him. Things that He, he said was going to happen. Fruit would obviously be the fulfillment of those things. And the dresser or the gardener is our approach to caring for those desires. Caring for those desires. We all have things that we, we desire to see. Every avenue of our life. I mean, I could break this down as a pastor. There are things that I desire to see for our church that I, I long to see for our church. There are things that I, I preach about and I talk about and I teach about and I haven't yet seen. I don't see it yet. And so there, there's these, these godly desires. There's, there's this fruit that I'm after and yet it's, it's not there yet. I think we could look at this from the vantage point of parents. I believe as parents we should have, we should have goals and aspirations for our children. There are things that you should desire for your kids. You want to see them learn to pray. You want to see them get an understanding of the Word of God. You want to see them develop a love for the lost. You want them, uh, we don't have to be so spiritual, you want them to have a good work ethic. You want them to take on an honest character. 
you, you've got these, these aspirations that you have for your children, but when we stand back at times, sometimes we, we don't see the fruit immediately in the lives of our children. We want them to have an honest character, and yet no one will tell us who left the refrigerator door open. Somebody left the refrigerator door open. Get my kids back in. And so we say, ah, there's this fruit that I'm after in your life, and you just won't give it. And we begin to allow frustrations to mount. Unfulfillment breeds frustration. We could talk about our prayer lives. And we would all probably be able to unanimously say, I would like to improve on my prayer life. I've got a desire to have a strong, fervent prayer life with God. I want to pray daily and not just now I lay me down to sleep and I pray, but no, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to, I want to talk to the Lord. I want to hear from God in prayer. I don't, I don't want it to just be me. And we've got these desires to, to really have this, this one-on-one with God. And then we kneel down and we start to pray and all we hear are the echoes of the empty room that we're sitting in. And it breeds frustration because we lack fulfillment. We're not seeing the fruit that we want. We say, oh, I want to I have a, a, a better relationship with the Word of God. How many started the year out with... Um, I won't embarrass you with the follow-up question. How many started the year out with a plan to read your Bible? Okay, don't raise your hands on this one, but really think about it. How many are already behind? Oh man, I got the. I'm gonna tell you what. It's January first. I'm reading the Bible. I'm gonna read it every day, the whole Bible, every single day. I'm gonna wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna and we 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 set out these just ridiculous dreams sometimes. You know, once a month I'm reading an entire Bible. No, you're not. But anyway, we we have these goals. We've got our phones out. We we can check off the day. We've got the chart where we can write it in. We've got all. We got the plan. We go out. We buy notebooks pastor gives out notebooks in the New Year's service. We've got all these things set up, right? And we're going to read our Bible all the time. And then, you know, like a month in, we're like, oh man, I'm a day behind. And then two months in, we're like, oh wow, I'm, I'm like a week behind. And then, and then time goes on and we're further and we're further and we're further behind. And we want to see that fruit. Give me the fruit. And yet, we feel discouraged. We feel downcast, even though maybe I'm doing better reading my Bible this year than I was last year, but it's not what I'm looking for. You see, the Bible doesn't tell us that this tree was unhealthy. When the man came to survey the tree, it, it didn't point out any disease. There was no lack of green leaves. There were no bugs or critters that had chewed it up. For all accounts, it, it seems to have been a healthy tree, but it wasn't producing the fruit that it desired. There were supposed to be figs, and there's, there weren't any figs. There are ministries that God has spoken into your life and into your heart and things that you feel led to do. And it might have been 10 years ago. It might have been 10 months ago. I don't know how long ago it was, but there are things that the Lord has spoken into you and you're going to do this for my kingdom and, and I'm going to use you in this gifting and you're going, to, you're going to be able to accomplish this and you're going to influence people in this way and, and you're going to have this kind of ministry and, and yet we look around and we say, where's it at? Because, because it's not happening. I don't, even, I, I don't even know if I have that desire anymore. I know what God spoke to me. It was clear in the day. It was clear in the moment. I felt the fire of God coursing through. He called me to, to accomplish this thing, and yet here we are years later, and, and nothing's happened. 
Nothing's happened. I, I'm not involved like I wanted to be involved. I'm not really engaged like I wanted to. And, and the, the ministry that I had isn't developing in the way that I wanted it to. Big dreams that God gives you for your family or for your career or for your finances or for your church or, or you fill in the blank and we, we hold on to these dreams for so long and yet somewhere along the line because we lack the fruit, we don't see it coming to pass in the time frame that we thought it would come to pass, we start to question, was that really a dream from God or, or was it the result of eating bad pizza before I went to sleep? Well, I don't know, maybe I didn't hear from God. This is stupid. Why am I holding on to this anymore? It, it, it's not coming to pass. It's not looking like it's going to come to pass. None of the pieces are falling together. This isn't working. That wasn't from God. And those aren't, those aren't things that come from our spirit, but they're the result of frustration. God speaks to us at times and lays lost, lost loved ones on our heart. And when it first happens, we begin to fervently pray and seek after the Lord and God's going to reach them. God's going to get them. God's going to turn their life around. Oh man, I'm praying. In fact, the, the most contextual interpretation of this parable is in reference to repentance. If you read the first five verses, Jesus is teaching about the need for all men everywhere to repent. Except you all repent, you shall likewise perish. And so we, we get this desire, God stirring us to pray for aunt so-and-so or cousin so-and-so or brother or mom or dad. And we pray and we seek after God and we're just, we're just waiting. Boy, we're eager for the Lord to turn things around. And yet a couple months go by and, and nothing changes. And, and then a year later they're in jail or they're, they're in some bad situation. And, and we just don't feel like praying about it anymore because we're not seeing the fruit that we're supposed to. To see God said he was going to turn their life around God said he was going to reach them and and yet I, I keep praying and nothing's happening I, I've invited them to church and they haven't come yet and so I get discouraged I get discouraged time has a way of wearing down our resolve more than adversity um, years ago we were getting ready to pour concrete for the addition in the Grand Rapids Church, and we're out there, and it's it's late at night, and it's cold. Like I don't know why, what it is about church projects and waiting until you like you don't have any other time. You either pour concrete tomorrow or you wait another year. But that that's where we were. It's a lot like our concrete. But we're out there, and we had to have foam underneath the concrete, and the inspector was really giving us a hard time. Every seam of the foam had to be taped. So we're putting tape on top of ice to satisfy the inspector. It was, it was completely silly, but we had to do it. And so we're out there and we're, we're putting this tape and it was me and uh, Dave Gustafson. Some of you may know him. And he worked at, uh, what is it? Boswell, Minnesota Power, right? Anyways, he worked, he worked out there. And so we're joking around and we say, hey, whose fault is it going to be tomorrow if all this tape fails? And they kind of hemmed and hawed and eventually they said well it's going to be Jason and Dave's fault because they're the ones putting the tape on and it's it's not working and so there somebody said yeah that's right Dave we're going to roll up to the gate at Boswell tomorrow and and we're going to talk to you it's all going to be your fault and he made a statement that he he just you got to know Dave he's got a very funny sense of humor but it stuck with me he said don't don't even talk to me he said I'd rather be punched in the face than talk to <laughs> But you know what? Sometimes that's true. 
Because if somebody walks up or life comes out of nowhere and just hauls off and gives you one right on the chin, you know you're in a battle. And sometimes that will strengthen our resolve. Because, hey, I'm under attack. I've got to buckle down. I've got to defend myself. I've got to stand my ground. But, oh, if somebody just wraps their arm around your shoulder and starts to talk to you and starts to just, just lead you and, and discourage you, that's harder to deal with. More so than that even, it's just time. Just time. It's like a fire that started. And, and if you let that fire burn for a while, it, the flames are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And there's going to be an ember and a coal and a smoking piece of charred wood and eventually nothing because time has a way of wearing down our resolve. <clears throat> it's discouraging to hold a desire without experiencing fulfillment. That's discouraging. The temptation is to just give up. Cut this tree down. Why is it even taking up space on the earth? I'm tired of waiting. I've waited long enough. I've prayed long enough. I, I can't experience the disappointment of coming back to evaluate this area one more time and not finding fruit. Just cut the tree down. Though we desire its fruit, we attempt to protect our emotions by telling ourselves that it would be better to go on living without the fruit than to continue experiencing disappointment of not bearing the results we desire. If we're really honest with ourselves, we still long for that thing. We still want it. We still got a taste for figs, but, but I, I've got to guard myself emotionally because I can't handle continuing to come back to this tree year after year and finding that there's still no fruit on its branches. So it would be better for me to cut down the tree and forget it ever existed than to hold on to hope for figs. And I think and hope and pray by now you realize we're not really talking about figs. It'd be better for me to give up on that dream be better for me to let go of that calling. It'd be better for me to stop praying for that person. It'd be better for me to just give up on my children and just, just give up on my family. How does our society, how do families go down the drain so fast? It's because discouragement sets in. It'd be better for me to just give up than to keep coming back looking for fruit that's not there. Be better for me to just walk away and let somebody else do it. I, I, I'm not going to put up with this any longer. I can't deal with this anymore. <clears throat> Good news is, it's not over. It's not over. And I chose this image for a reason because when I say that, some of you think, oh yes it is. I cut that tree down a long time ago. I'm past where you're preaching. I've already covered that ground. I've already gone down that road. I've cut that thing off flat to the earth and I've moved on and I've decided to never look back. But I'm telling you, it's not over. When the Lord speaks something, you can't destroy it. You can forsake it. You can turn your back on it. You can walk away from it, but you cannot destroy it. In this parable, the gardener speaks up and offers hope. He offers hope. He pleads for another chance to work with the tree. One more chance for fulfillment. <clears throat> he recognizes potential 
within that tree that was planted long ago. You imagine looking at something like an old dead dry stump and saying, man, there's potential in that thing. We don't do that. We say, man, I need to call somebody to get rid of the stump. The stump grinder. I need to take it further out. And yet, yet the gardener says, listen, I know the tree in year one didn't bear any fruit, and year two didn't bear any fruit, and year three didn't bear any fruit, but why don't you just give me one more year? I think, I think this tree can, it can bear fruit. This thing can produce what it was created. But just, just give me a little bit more time. And he pleads for another chance for fulfillment. He recognizes the potential. He not only remained faithful to the original desire, but the prolonged faithfulness, I'm sorry, the prolonged fruitlessness had made him willing to increase his commitment to the care of the tree. So he wasn't just faithful to what he once decided was of God, but the persistent unfruitfulness of this thing in his life brought him to a place where he was willing to increase his commitment in order to see it come to pass. Yes. He didn't just take another year and say, man, I hope this is the year. I'm going to stand back and watch that old tree. Come on, tree. Come on, tree. Produce figs. Come on, produce figs. We're going to keep doing what we've always been doing. And we're just going to, you're going to produce figs. Yeah, come on, tree. Had he done that, there would have still been no figs. I'm not going to change anything. I like the way I've been doing things. I'm comfortable with, I'm a good gardener. You, you need to fall in line, tree. Don't you see all the other trees around you producing figs? Don't, don't you see everything else is working out? You just need to fall in line. I've got it all together. You need to produce figs. Unproductive. It's been unproductive for three years. But no, he said, he said give, me, give me another year. I'm going to put some more time into this thing. Give me another year. I'm going to increase the effort that I put behind this. I'm going to take and I'm going to dig around the tree. Again, I've got so many stories that relate. We can't grow grass at our house to like... I mean, it just doesn't grow. So we're still in the process. I've got a company that's going to come in and they've got to spray the entire yard and kill everything we've tried to do because it's been wrong and start over. And they told me what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to come in, they're going to spray everything we've started and just kill it. And then he said, then we're going to come in and pulverize the ground. And I thought, that's a pretty aggressive term for turning over the dirt. We're going to come in and we're going to pulverize the ground. So I don't know what they plan on doing to my yard, but it's going to be pretty rough. <laughs> They're going to pulverize the ground. That's what this guy did. He said, let me dig around it. Let me go in there and, and recultivate the soil in which it grows. You see, he began to reinvest into the birthplace of this desire. Where it all started. He went right back to the source when, when the ground was fresh and, and churned up in the beginning and it was soft and it was pliable and they could put a seed in there and that seed could begin to grow. But apparently, over time, that soil had hardened up around the base of that tree and to the point where this gardener said, what I've got to do is I've got to get back in there and all this stuff that has become hard and calloused all this stuff that has become callous, what I've got to do is I've got to pulverize the ground. I've got to turn it back up. I've got to dig around it. I've got to work the soil a little bit. 
He ensured that the environment of the tree was conducive to the desired results. See, I've got to make sure that that the the setting is right. I'm trying to produce X, Y, Z in my life. Well, well, what kind of soil is that desire planted in? Is it abandoned? Does it need more water? Does it need to be churned up a little bit? As he's digging around the tree, he would have taken the time to remove any rocks or any unhealthy soil that was in the ground. He had to get rid of some stuff. Let that sink in for a moment. In order to see the fruit that he wanted to see, he first had to get rid of some things. He had to dig around. He had to get his hands dirty. It's messy. This whole business of of trying to see fruit in our life, sometimes it gets messy. Sometimes it gets ugly. Oh man, I don't want to get rid of that. That's been there for a long time. But no, I, I want fruit. See, as much as I love this thing that's in the way, as, as much as I feel drawn to it, I, I want some figs. And so as hard as it is for me, as much as I don't want to, I'm going to pick that thing up. I've got to set that over here out of the way. Because that's, that's causing me to be unfruitful. That's causing me not to have the, the, right. the results that I want in my life. Right. He not only dug around it, but he dung the tree. He fertilized the tree. All jokes aside about the negative circumstances, and I'm not taking anything away from that application. There's something for us to learn there. But this guy, his desire, the gardener's desire, was not to create negative situations in the tree's life. Dung was their source of fertilizer. They couldn't go down to to the Home Depot and buy the weed and feed. All they had was Farmer Joe's byproducts. And so he went out and he got some stuff that was going to, to feed the tree. He removed the negative things. He, he broke up all the hard and callous soil. And then he said, in addition to that, I've got I've to bring in some stuff that's going to help this thing grow. I've got to make sure it's got all the nutrients it needs. He, he made sure to feed the desire. How do we feed the desires that God puts in our lives? Number one, it's through the Word. It's through the Word. I know that's, that's last week's message, but it, it never gets old. You want to know the, the answer to all your spiritual questions? It's, it's extremely simplified, but here it is. Read, pray, fast. <laughs> Read, pray, fast. That's always a good place to start. It's the Word. I've got to make sure that I, I've got the fertilizer of the Word in there. Is, is my desire lining up with the Word of God? Is my interpretation of what God's spoken into my life and the things He said He was going to do, does it line up with the Word? I need to, I need to fertilize it. I need to pray the Word over it. Feed it with prayer. I know it feels pointless at times to pray about things that you've prayed about over and over and over again. And sometimes we misinterpret Scripture. There's In the Lord's Prayer, when He's given the example of prayer, He says, basically, don't be like the heathen who think they're going to be heard for their much speaking. Okay, That doesn't mean pray for something one time, don't ever pray for it again. God heard you the first time, just leave it alone. If that was true, then we wouldn't have another example in Scripture where a man faithfully prayed for something to the point where God said, I have to take notice of this because His prayers have come up before me like a memorial. All that's saying is don't think that that flowery words are going to impress Jesus in prayer. 
oh, I've got to say all the right things. If I just articulate it just, just right, then, then God will be so impressed with my prayer and He'll just jump up off of His throne and make all my desires come true. Wrong. We're not going to be heard for our much speaking, but we will be heard for speaking much and faithfully coming to God, expressing the desire, bringing the need back before the Lord, continuing to, to, to just marinate it and fertilize it with prayer. I very quickly mentioned fasting, but this is something that doesn't get enough airtime among Christian circles. Fasting is important. Fasting is critical to the spiritual strength of the life of a Christian. When the disciples couldn't cast out a demon from a possessed lady, it's because Jesus told them this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Jesus, when He talked about fasting, used the terminology, when you fast. So that means you're going to fast. The, the Pharisees tried to corner Him and say, oh, why don't your disciples fast? And He said, they don't need to fast right now because, because I'm with them in the flesh. But the time's going to come when I'm no longer going to be with them, i.e. the day in which we live. Jesus is not physically here. He said, then they will be given to fasting. We've got to be willing to fast, to deny the desires of the flesh in order to seek after the desires of the Spirit. You partner these things together. Don't just fast without prayer and Bible reading. Okay, You just end up hungry. You end up both physically weak and you're still spiritually weak. But fasting and prayer and Bible reading work together. We suppress the desires of the flesh. We say no to this physical flesh that always wants to be satisfied and that weakens the flesh. And we strengthen the Spirit by praying in those moments and seeking after God and leaning into His presence. Prayer, Bible reading, fasting. Feed it with fellowship. Fellowship. Don't go around blabbing your dreams and desires to just anyone. Okay? That's just good advice. There are some people that don't want to put in the effort to see their desires come to pass. And the only way they make peace with that is by discouraging you from doing what you need to do to make your desires come to pass so they feel better. So, but you do and you should identify some people that are healthy in your life, that want you to succeed spiritually. And you need to share with them what God has spoken. You need to share with them how God has challenged you and where He wants you to grow so that you can, you can fertilize it with fellowship. And you've got somebody that can come alongside you when they recognize the outward signs of discouragement and they can say, listen, you're going to make it. Remember, God spoke to you. God said it was going to happen. It's not over yet. Just, just hang on a little while. Just keep going at it. Just keep fertilizing. Just keep going. Fellowship is vitally important. We talked about all the camps and the conferences that are coming up. You can fertilize your relationship with God through camps and conferences. God has given us the fivefold ministry, and there are seasons of time in which you find yourself at a conference or in a revival service or, or at a camp, and the message that God has sent with that preacher is the one you need to hear to help you become more fruitful. It's the living Word of God. Ultimately, feed it with sacrifice. Feed it with sacrifice. It takes time and energy to dig around a tree. 
remove all the junk, bring in fertilizer, spread that out. And he didn't say, give me another day. Give, give, me, give me two weeks. He said, give me a year. He made a commitment when he made that statement. I'm going to invest into this thing for a year. Now, I don't know about you, but in the day and age we live in, I don't know very many people that aren't busy. I mean, legitimately busy. Their, their calendar is full. Their days are full. And so if they're going to make a statement, like, let me take on this new responsibility for a year, that means there's going to have to be some sacrifices made. There's going to be some things that I used to do with this time. I'm not even talking about sinful bad stuff. There's just stuff I used to do with this time, but because I want to see fruit. I'm going to sacrifice these things. And I'm going to pour it into this. God's trying to do something in my life. I'm I'm going to step away from from some of these things. I I enjoy them. Man, they bring me so much pleasure. They they help me relax, but, but I've got to sacrifice that's another word we just don't we don't use much yeah you look in the book of acts you look at the message of the apostles sacrifice is a key ingredient to an apostolic lifestyle sacrifice i'll close in just referencing a a passage jesus said nobody starts out building a house without first counting the cost Especially right now, that'd be a bad idea. Because <laughs> it's going to cost way more than you think. You don't, you don't uh, just say, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to pour some concrete, and then we'll go over to Home Depot, buy a couple two-by-fours and, and some rafters, and we'll, we'll just kind of see where the finances land when it's over. You're going to end up with like half your concrete forms, and that's it. That's probably all you can afford right now. It's outrageous. Nobody, he's saying it's foolish to say, oh, I'm going to do this great big thing without first considering what is it going to require of me. To dig and to dung a tree was not without cost. It cost the man time. It cost him financially. With all this grass and tree issues we've had, I can tell you one thing, fertilizer's not cheap. He had to invest We've got a lot of things going on right now, and I'm not going to attempt to fill in your blank today, but but we've got a new church going up. I desire for there to be a strong church in this community. I desire for there to be a church for my children to grow up in and call home. I desire for the community to know that we're not just another passing fad church that pops up in Fergus for a little while, rents a building, and then disappears. We're putting down roots. That's worth investing in. The camps and the things that I've I've mentioned today, they're not cheap either. All the families with kids, we don't we don't do anything small around here. We don't have, you know, just like one kid. There's like kids. I mean, we're gonna dismiss for Sunday school. Two thirds of the church gets up and goes into the other room. Before long we're gonna have to start dismissing ourselves and give them this room. <laughs> and thank God for it. That's a mighty force in that other room. And so, and so it hurts a little bit. We registered for camp a while back, and it, it was more money than I thought it would be. 
I don't know where that budget is. Probably hunting equipment or something isn't going to get purchased yet. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay because I want to see fruit in their lives. I want them to grow up. I want my kids to grow up and know that they're not just a part of a little corner church that exists in Fergus Falls, but they're a part of something that's worldwide. There's a strong district behind them. There's people that love them. There's kids their age that worship God passionately. Why, why would I spend the money to send my kids to camp? Because it's, it's fruit that I'm desiring. And I'm willing to invest. I'm counting the cost. Something as simple as driving, driving to special services that are a little bit further away. and Just being honest, I guess, in closing, I've, I've spoken against rallies so many times, especially where we live, this is called Section 3 of Minnesota. Okay, to put it in perspective, Duluth is in Section 3 of Minnesota. So I hosted a youth rally one time, and Zach and Rochelle Pretty drove from Moorhead to Duluth. It's like four hours. They were in church for an hour, and then they turned around and drove four hours back home. A nine-hour day, eight hours on the road, so that they could bring their young people to a rally. Why would they do that? Because they cared enough about the fruit that they were trying to produce to say, you know what? I could spend a day with some kids in a van. I could fill it up with gas and I can drive over. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff I could be doing. I'm talking about corporate stuff. But there are things in your life that God has, has revisited as I've spoken throughout this service. There are dreams, there are old passions, there are old desires, there are things that, that God has spoken to you that you've long forgotten about and it looks like this old dry, dead stump. What God's saying today is that it's not over. You come back to that thing, you start digging. But what you got to do before we leave here today is you've got to count the cost. You've got to really think about what's this going to take of me? What do I got to give up? What do I got to sacrifice? What do I got to commit to? And am I willing to do it? I told you, we can't destroy what God has spoken. And if we're faithful to what He has spoken, the enemy can't stop what He's spoken. We just got to be faithful. We got to trust His timeline and not our own. So I question today, what has the Lord planted in your life? That is yet to come to pass. Have you at some point in the process decided to cut it down? Maybe you didn't cut it down. Maybe you just turned your back on it and walked away. Cutting it down seems so sacrilegious, but if I just stop giving it any attention, that'll be all right. What have you walked away from? What promises have you left on the table? God's word for us today is simply, it's not over. You're going to have to get your hands dirty, but Jesus is faithful to His promises. He's faithful to His promises. I'd encourage you to take some, some time today as we close out this service and to pray. Search your life. What's, what's there? What passions, what desires? Ask the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do? To make this come to pass. What, what's my part? What, where do I come into play? Then evaluate what it's going to cost you. Make some commitments before you leave here.
some long-term commitments. Let it be your prayer before you leave. God, give me, give me one more year. That's a long-term commitment. God, give me 12 more months. I know I'm behind in my Bible reading right now. I'm not going to worry about catching up. I'm just going to start over.
not just about me and what I can get from God, but if you're done praying personally, why don't you just lay a hand on the shoulder of a brother or sister and offer up a prayer of encouragement for them.
Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to fergusunited.org. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you will be automatically notified of our new episodes. Thank you very much, and we hope you have a great week. God bless you.